The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And thanks for joining us for another show on Winning Ponies. I've got two guests that are first-time starters. The first one, you've probably heard and seen him from Delta Downs. It is Delta Don Stevens is going to be with us. And he has a huge Saturday going on at Delta Downs. No less than eight stakes races highlighted by the Lee Berwick Futurity, a grade one, 690000 up for grabs. And he's going to educate us on handicapping quarter horses. Uh, that's the meat that they're ending right now. Of course, they race both thoroughbreds and quarter horses at Delta Downs. So Don's going to give us some insight into the world of quarter horse racing. Then we're going to go to the University of Kentucky and talk to Carl Maticola. Now, Carl Maticola has uh, joined teams with the Jockeys Guild, and last week they announced a three-year pilot study uh, supported by a lot of thoroughbred organizations designed to get the first comprehensive concussion management protocol for jockeys. You know, they've got it in basketball, they've got it in football, they've got it in baseball. We don't have it in racing yet, so it'll be really interesting to see how far along uh, they have come, what their plans are, and how they want to implement it. So that's Carl Maticola from the University of Kentucky. So we're keeping it in the bluegrass state. All right, well, uh, this week is going to be an amazing week. So what you need to do is pull down your easy win forms. I'm going to go over the Belmont card on Saturday. It's uh, absolutely uh, unbelievable, the card that that they have. You would think it was Belmont Day. But uh, with our easy win forms this week, of course, had some biggins out at Santa Anita on the 4th of July. The fireworks were going off with the easy win forms. $7,314, a $1 super key. Of course, we uh, span across the country at Churchill Downs on July 1st. We had a $1 super key that paid $6,240. And then the racing shifted over to Ellis Park, and already with the easy win forms, we're out and running on the 2nd of July. $1 pick for $2,544. Let's not forget our neighbors to the south at Gulfstream Park on July 1st. A $1 Super 5 key paid $2,395. Now, racing this week 
at Belmont is going to be something else, I can tell you that. Let's take a, a look at some of the stakes on the card. Uh, the action starts with race six. It's the six and a half furlong victory ride, and the favorite in here is breaking from the outside. Now, this race, again, $150,000, is Kappa. (laughs) Now, Kappa, very lightly raced by a $2,500 stallion, is now two for two, made its debut at Del Mar, one off by three, then came back on May 21st at Santa Anita and recorded an 87 buyer and only her second lifetime stake, and it looks like Joe Talamo is making the trip to uh, come on in and ride. Then the seventh race at Belmont is the $500,000 Dwyer. Now the morning line odds maker has an even money horse in here, and that's Economic Model, a horse that's two for two at Belmont. So I read Ortiz in the saddle for Chad Brown. Horse I like in here, the, the price is Swipe at 6-1. to one. You remember Swipe was the horse that was running second behind Nyquist uh, all of last year. Uh, didn't get off to the best of starts this year with a sixth in the Lexington, and then came back in a, an allowance race at Belmont and ended up running third, only beating two links. Now, Kenta Swarmer wasn't in the saddle that day. He will be in the saddle on Saturday. Moving to the eighth race, it's the Belmont Derby Invitational, a mile and a quarter on the inner turf, and we've got a European invasion. That's right, Aiden O'Brien is coming to town. He's got uh, Long Island Sound, who is a uh, son of Warfront, bred in Kentucky, back on his home turf, and then out on the outside, he's got Duville, an Irish bred who just missed in a grade two back in May. And then Richard Hammond uh, is bringing in, believe it or not, Humphrey Bogart. He's an Irish bred uh, son of Tagula. And uh, Humphrey Bogart, uh, again, uh, will get first LASIK. So it looks like it's a European invasion in the Belmont Derby. Then moving on to the ninth race, it's the 130th running of the Suburban and uh, it's kind of hard to come up with a clear favorite in here. You've got uh, Moob Tahij. Remember him? Grand second to California Chrome in his last start in the Dubai World Cup. Also a horse buying for favoritism is Neil Howard Train's Eagle, who just came up a half a length short in the Stephen Foster. Our friend Brian Hernandez will be in the saddle there. And then Ephenix, he's won $2.6 million dollars. Uh, is only making his fourth start of the season, did win the Oaklawn Handicap, the grade two, earlier this year. Then we move on to the 10th race at Belmont. Again, this is going to be on Saturday, and this is the Belmont Oaks Invitational. It's a grade one with a purse of $1 million. And again, Aiden O'Brien in here with two going on the turf. He's got uh, Bailey Doyle who's won over a half a million dollars. She's a three-year-old daughter of Galileo. You know how hot he is right now. And uh, Aiden O'Brien also, again, gets parked out on the outside, and he brings uh, Coolmore. But let's face it, folks, the horse to beat in here is going to be Catch a Glimpse. What a horse. Mark Cassie had an amazing weekend. Catch a Glimpse 
is now seven for eight lifetime, $1.2 million in earnings. Regular rider Florent Giroux will be in the saddle, so uh, keep an eye out uh, for him in the Belmont Oaks. The 11th race, a grade three, $400,000. It's the Belmont Sprint Championship. And a slight favorite in here is Private Zone, even though he hasn't been out this year, a winner of $2.9 million. What an unbelievable card. Again, that is going to be at Belmont on Saturday. So there's some other good races on Saturday. Go up to Chicago, pull down those easy win forms, and there's a good racing. you got the Grade 3 Modesty, the Grade 3 Arlington Handicap, and then also... At, at Delaware, you've got the $200,000 Grade 3 Robert G. Dick. At Parks, you've got the Grade 3 Parks Dash. And at Delaware, the Delaware Oaks, which, of course, is a Grade 3 race. So a lot of great racing. Pull down those easy win forms. Hey, and if you can't make it to the racetrack, you can catch some of the Belmont action on NBC. It looks like uh, they're going to have catch-a-glimpse races, the Belmont Oaks which will be the uh, third of nine telecasts under the Breeders' Cup Challenge Win and You're In series. Of course, you'll have uh, Lafitte Pinkai third, Randy Moss, Jerry Bailey, and Eddie Olzik, and our friend Donna Brothers will be on. So uh, you can watch it. Uh, Jackie of the Week, Julian Leparu. He's in the zone like Florent Giraud. We reported last week that uh, at Royal Ascot, uh, he... Uh, Took down to the big race there with Teppen. Be nice to have that mount. Well, up at Woodbine, got to tip our hand here. Leperu guided long shot Sir Dudley Diggis for the Ramses for a half length victory in the 157th running of the $1 million Queen's Plate. Julian also captured three stakes last week, back to back wins at Churchill on Saturday night when he won the uh, debutante aboard Pretty City Dancer and the Bashford Manor on Classics Empire. So congratulations uh, to Julian. In the not-so-good news, uh, we're still trying to identify those horses uh, that were abandoned by the Burrells down in Kentucky. Uh, the Kentucky Department of Agriculture has taken DNA samples. The Jockey Club is taking photos. So they're trying to uh, find out uh, exactly the identity of those horses. Now, among the 36, they did find six that weren't thoroughbreds, and they're going to the Kentucky Horse Park. Uh, Naira, well, the Coaching Club American Oaks purse has been bumped up, and in doing that, they got Songbird to fly in. That's right. The purse is now up to $500,000. Rick Porter, owner of Fox Hill Farms, confirmed that uh, he will be coming into town. The coaching club will be contested July 24th at Saratoga. The main thing is he wanted to make sure that uh, she was comfortable with uh, Jerry Hollendorfer being there and all of his regular staff, the exercise riders and everything. So uh, the Hall of Fame trainer will be coming into Saratoga with Songbird. All right. Well, Kentucky Downs is uh, having uh, facility renovations to the tune of $4 million. You know I keep telling you, put this on your bucket list. Kentucky Downs is just a fantastic place to go. It's near Franklin, Kentucky, right on the Tennessee border. you got to see it. It's like uh, Europe meets 
Kentucky. And uh, some other uh, sad news is uh, we reported uh, that Jackie Karen Fallon was back in Ireland and doing well. As it turns out, he's been diagnosed with a severe case of depression, and he is going to have to leave the saddle, according to him. 51 years old, when you think of some of the races that, uh, that Karen Fallon won, it's just uh, unbelievable. I had the chance to meet him last year. Uh, when he was riding here in the Cincinnati area. He was Britain's champion jockey in 97, 98, 99, 2001, 2002, and 2003. He's won 16 classics, including three Epsom Derbies. So uh, wishing nothing but the best uh, to our Irish friend, Kieran. Let's uh, move on to the races that we handicapped with Jude Feld last week. Of course, the biggest being... The million-dollar Queen's Plate. This is, again, for horses fold in Canada. And, man, I thought I was sitting on a win because Amos Gizmo was strong into the lane after being rated pretty well in second. Pulled away, looked good, and all of a sudden it was like, look out, here comes Sir Dudley Diggs. How many 15-to-1 shots does Julian Le Peru ride? Sir Dudley Diggs gets the job done. Mike Maker trains for Ken Ramsey. It's kind of interesting seeing him there in the top hat. Of course, it was Amos Gizmo hung on for second, but I didn't back up my bet. I just bet him to win. And third was number three, all on red. Um, We did play a race the day before the Queen's Plate, and that was at Prairie Meadows. At that time, Jude was uh, skeptical whether or not American Freedom was going to ship in for trainer Bob Baffert. Sure did. Shipped in with Rafael Bayerano. Odds on, got the job done after stalking the pace easily. Second was the well-traveled Texas Chrome. And third, Hint of Roses, a long shot with Florence Giroux. Then we went down to Churchill for the debutante and the winner in there. Mark Cassie trained Pretty City Dancer. We told you earlier, Julian Le Peru, Jockey of the Week, was up. He got the job done by three and a quarter lengths over Anna's Bandit and Country Candy. Well, that's a look at all the action we covered last week and national news of this week. We're going to take a little bit of a break. When we come back, we're going to be with Dr. Carl Maticola from the University of Kentucky. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports. Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. 
Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, Dr. Carl Maticola, the director of the Graduate Athletic Training Program and a professor in the College of Health Sciences at the University of Kentucky. As I told you earlier, UK and the Jockeys Guild announced a three-year pilot study supported by a broad cross-section of thoroughbred organizations that is designed to evolve into the first comprehensive concussion management protocol for years. Welcome to Winning Ponies, Dr. Carl Maticola. Hi, John. Thank you very much. Well, uh, before we delve into the subject at hand, just want to learn a, a little bit about you. I know uh, you, you're, we've got some things in similar. Uh, we've got uh, two guys from upstate New York that have moved closer to uh, uh, Kentucky and uh, probably don't miss the winners in Rome, New York. Uh, don't, other than the skiing. Have you missed oh, the skiing? <laughs> that is true. Well, um, Carl, just uh, can, tell me a little bit about your background and what kind of led you uh, into the uh, career of uh, athletic training? Oh, good question. So I grew up, uh, you know, not too far from you in Rome, New York, and, and you're from the Syracuse area. I uh, love sports, played football, um, and, you know, at an early age decided I thought I wanted to be a physical therapist and ended up um, going to Canisius College and had some funding from them to continue to play football in college, which I really loved, and uh, sort of fell in line and in love with athletic training, sports medicine. And so I did that at Canisius College. And then I, um, I was at the University of Virginia, where I, where I pursued my master's degree. I stayed in Virginia and worked for several years at a small college. And then after uh, doing that for a while, I decided that uh, I missed the research, I missed the teaching, I missed the mentorship um, you know, process with students. And I uh, pursued my Ph.D. and uh, finished that at the University of Virginia as well. Well, um, this is a, a very interesting study that you're going to be going. It's good to see uh, that, that, it's, that it's three years. Um, now, I, let me uh, ask you some questions because I've been talking about this uh, topic with friends of mine. Now, for this study, I believe that jockeys are going to undergo a sports concussion concussion assessment tool that they call a SCAT-3 to develop a baseline score so that pre- and post-fall responses can be compared. Now, the question we had were, can you explain that process? We hear about it in the major sports now, the contact sports. Um, How does that work? And obviously, baselines would vary from person to person. They would. So if you, um, if you want to compare it to other sports, um, it's pretty common. So most of your universities, your colleges, are going to have some sort of a, a baseline assessment for concussions. That's become um, pretty standard protocol. Certainly has in the professional sports. Uh, if you look at football, obviously they've had the, something like this in place for a long time. Uh, and just to put it in perspective... It's not that unusual. You know, so in, in most colleges and university settings, when your athletes come in, they will often be baseline tests for a number of things. Their 40-yard dash, their strength, um, you know, if they've had any knee or shoulder injuries before, um, you know, athletic trainers or physicians or staff will assess 
whether they have any deformities or, or irregularities in how they move, and those all get um, considered uh, for uh, future potential injury and or even how to intervene. You know, so if you have somebody that has a loss of range of motion in their shoulder or they're weak in their hip, you know, some of those things are acted upon when they first get there. So, the, so one of the examples I use a lot with individuals is if is everyone understands blood pressure. If you went to the physician and your blood pressure was 122 over 82 and it stayed at 122 over 82 for three or four years, that'd be pretty normal. That'd be your baseline. And so it's the same idea that we'll get some baseline assessment for uh, cognitive function, short-term memory, uh, balance, as well as any, um, you know, previous signs and symptoms of concussion. And having that information is really important later on if someone is concussed because it allows you the opportunity to compare that data to the baseline data to determine is this something that's within normal limits or is this person, you know, outside of where they typically would have responded. Now, would, would some of the things in the baseline, because obviously people are at, at different intelligence levels, would, would, would things be like, what are the names mm-hmm. of your three sons? Where did you grow up? What is your birthday? Just to see if they're you know, conscious and can go back out and ride another race. Can you give me some examples? I can. It's, it's typically a combination of short-term memory, um, understanding the local environment, and then a, what I'd call an intermediate memory. So, for example, I might give you a couple terms and say, you know, pair, uh, fire truck, car. I want you to remember those. Repeat them back to me. And you repeat them back to me a few times. And I say, okay, tell me those again. And if immediately you have trouble processing that, I'm going, okay, there's something, you know, from a short-term perspective. The other part of that would be later on in the examination to come back to those um, to that memorization task and ask if you could remember those to see if you could retain that. The other part of it is understanding your surroundings. Do you know what day it is? Do you know what race you ran? Do you know what horse you were on? Um, do you know what track you're at? You know, so very similar to, you know, in football, we would often ask, you know, a player, do you know what quarter it is? Do you know who you're playing? Do you know what day it is? And obviously, you know, a date can be confusing to anybody, um, but certainly understanding where you're playing or if you're on the road or you're at home, those are components that you would expect someone to be able to process mentally. Well, you, you, you're going to, I believe, meet uh, some very specific barriers in the sport of thoroughbred racing, uh, particularly with, you know, the, the jockey's room is a melting pot of, skull, of cultures. Uh, what about the language barriers? Interesting. I'm glad you said that. So, you know, Probably the majority of um, non-English speaking uh, individuals would be uh, Spanish. And so the SCAT 3 actually has a, a Spanish version uh, that can be employed. And so that will help with a little bit of that uh, language barrier. And, and interestingly, the young lady who's going to be assisting me with this project um, is not absolutely fluent in Spanish, but speaks it much better than I do. So she will be a great resource to have in the jockey's room. The intellect part, um, the reliability for these tests has been pretty consistent that if you administer it consistently, that it's reliable. Sometimes it may take someone a little bit longer to explain what you're asking them to do and, and how to respond, but for the most part, um, those can be overcome. 
Well, uh, Dr. Carl Maticola, I understand uh, that the tracks in Kentucky have, have agreed to take part in this. Uh, my, my question is, I, I know that you wanted the jockeys to have an active account with the Jockey Health Information System. What happens if a jockey ships in from another state or another country into Kentucky? Just for like one so race. The, exactly. So the pilot study that we have in place is, um, I guess the first thing to say is it's a three-year pilot study. And it's basically to, to uh, it's a clinical management pilot study, really. It's to better understand how we can capture this information so that when someone is injured or someone has a fall, that we can provide the best health care. And the reason we chose Kentucky is that, one, I'm here, uh, two, we can control and we, we, we've got permission from the tracks to do this. Um, we, we can control the environment a little bit better. And so the first year is obviously going to be, um, it, it's going to be a learning curve. I mean, we're going to have to figure out how best to do all this, and, and it's not going to be perfect. But to answer your question, the goal is that when somebody would come into the track, that it would be a requirement for them to ride, in order for them to ride, that, that they would need to sit down and do this baseline testing with us uh, and make sure that we have their injury uh, data up to speed. Um, and so part of that's going to be education of, of making sure that, you know, we let folks know that if they come in, they need to do those, do those things before they ride. Well, um, I've only got about three minutes left, but here's a question I had because I, I did understand that for riders, let's say that you did determine there was uh, some concussion uh, to them to return to horse racing, the stages would begin with a period of uh, no activity followed by light aerobic exercise like uh, jogging or biking and then uh, trotting and galloping horses and eventually doing a workout. Who would determine how long that would take and when they can go back? So the return to ride protocol would be administered by um, one of our healthcare professionals or someone that the, the jockey went to. Ultimately, they'd have to have a release. And so there's nothing in place that says you have to do a particular return to ride. This is a recommendation that we're working through and trying to provide the best evidence. But the most important clinical parameters that they would have to have a, a physician release prior to coming back. Um, wh- one of the things that I would, um, you know, highlight is this is the beginning, I think, for us of very uh, of, of several exciting initiatives. Um, at UK, we have uh, a group of individuals that have gotten together to capitalize on the resources that we have available, uh, specifically the College of Agricultural Food and Environment and my college, the College of Health Sciences. And as you said earlier, the industry leaders such as the Jockey Club and, and Jockeys Guild and many of the tracks and um, uh, thoroughbred groups have come together. And we're trying to create a multidisciplinary and collaborative research group that will focus on global and critical health issues of both the horse and rider. And so we've been meeting and, and trying to put something together so we can formalize a better way of coordinating both the management as well as the research uh, information that we capture. Well, that's fantastic, uh, Dr. Carl Maticola, because that is, is going to take a lot of coordination, especially when you're dealing with different tracks and different management. Of course, uh, hopefully with, with the, the Jockeys Guild involved, uh, you can get someone like uh, Ramon Dominguez, uh, one of the best riders we've ever had who had to cut his career short because of head injuries, to be able to go in and perhaps talk to these guys and explain you know, how careful they have to be and that they can't just, uh, you know, Hey, I got my bell ring. I'll, I'll be okay. I'm going to go ride in the next two races or something like that. It's, it's 
extremely important, uh, the work you're doing. And I want to thank you. And I, I hope that I can do a, a follow-up here a couple months down the road to see what successes you've had uh, in the early stages. Perfect. I was actually going to end with that. I hope I can come back and, and give you an update of, of where we are and, um, and some of the success, successes is probably as well as some of the learning curves that we're, you know, in, in, encountering. And, and we realize that. So it's, to me, every step forward we can make to provide better health care. And then ultimately, you know, our goal is to come back and, and turn this into uh, an opportunity to collect data to provide evidence back to both the tracks as well as the industry of what's working and what's not working. Well, that's, that's fantastic. Trust me, I've got your phone number. I do want to follow up on this. It's extremely interesting and challenging. And uh, Dr. Carl Maticola, thank you so much for spending time with us tonight on Winning Ponies. John, thank you. It was my pleasure. All right, that was Dr. Carl Maticola. Coming up, we're going to Delta Downs with Delta Don Stevens going to find out what the quarters are doing on Saturday. You're listening to Winning Ponies. The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. I just think that the coach made a mistake. Crazy. (laughs) NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth. We ain't playing around here. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. And welcome back to Winning Ponies. As I told you at the top of the show, with us for the handicapping segment is going to be Delta Don Stevens. That's right. Don't blink or you're going to miss it because we are going to the quarter horses down at Delta Downs. Of course, uh, Don has been going to the races since he was 13 years old. Had a similar background to mine, went to school for commercial art after graduating high school. Uh, then uh, he went to the John Brooks Broadcasting School. He met his mentor, Jim Byers, a name you may know. And, of course, you heard him call at Remington Park back then. Uh, Don started practicing calling races in 95, worked for Equibase, and then uh, took over uh, for Mr. Byers as a full-time announcer uh, at Remington, and then was hired by Delta Downs back in 2003. Don Stevens, did I pretty much cover it? That pretty much does it from top to bottom. You got it there, John. 
Okay, I know I left out a few things, but we're, we're, we're limited to this. Well, so good to have you on the show. I've been wanting to for years. I, I really enjoy uh, your, your, your presence on camera. It uh, kind of reminds me of Shades of the Regular Guy. You look like you're having a good time, and I think that's what listeners want. I don't think they need guys in three-piece suits standing in the paddock with hair gel. Well, you're absolutely right. And when I came here, I kind of wanted to mold the show that way. Uh, we're in Vinton, Louisiana, a town of 3,000 people. Of course, we're not far from Houston, Texas. And over in Beaumont, people drive over from Texas and Lake Charles, Louisiana. But we're kind of out in the country. We're a small town. We're a nighttime track, which leads itself to more casual uh, fans, I believe, that work all day. And then you watch on the computer at night or, or a few come out here. But most of them watch via simulcast. So we try to make it light. We try to we play music. We do trivia. We do giveaways. I don't take myself too seriously um, and we just laugh and have fun and then I take emails and uh, social media messages on Twitter and Facebook from fans and stay involved and I get back to everybody and I think I'm one of the only announcers that actually interacts with fans with email and Twitter all during the races so uh, I enjoy doing it and I get a kick out of it if I wasn't having fun I wouldn't be doing it. <laughs> well, that's great. Well, I, I come from a from a thoroughbred background for the most part, um, but we do on occasion have quarter horse races uh, in Cincinnati, and uh, it seems to me, correct me if I'm wrong, that there's kind of a slightly different culture, that there's a quarter horse culture in racing. Well, there really is, and I spent many years, uh, most of my years of my adult life, I've spent in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. You mentioned Remington Park, and that opened in 1988. Uh, I lived there uh 22 years as an adult, and I lived there about three years when I was a little kid. So um, when it opened in 88, I was very excited. I didn't have to travel very far to go to the races. Like you mentioned, the early 90s, I bet, met Jim Byers, who's still a dear friend, and now the Lone Star Park announcer. He got that job full-time just a few months ago and just wrapping up his first full season there. And He's a great guy, and he'll always be my mentor and the guy I look up to. But anyway, I was in Oklahoma, and that, that's big quarter horse country. Oklahoma, Texas, Louisiana, New Mexico, all out west of California and Los Alamitos. That's really the quarter horse area area of the country. And a lot of people, like you mentioned, up north don't know a whole lot about it, uh, but it's a great sport. And uh, I, I really love handicapping it because there, there's different angles than you use with thoroughbreds. And you can really find you some nuggets in there. And, and I love handicapping the babies because in quarter horse racing is really the big money is all in the two-year-old races. Well, uh, you know, you're down there and looking at your card, uh, obviously, again, reflecting back to the quarter horse culture, uh, Louisiana's got to be a hotbed of quarter horse breeding. Well, it really is, and it's gotten better in the recent years since we've had the casino legislation come in. That was just two years before I got here. The casinos came in in 01. Uh, actually, Delta Downs Casino opened, um, I believe, the day after Valentine's Day 2002. So the legislation was passed in 01. The casino opened in 02. Uh, purses went up dramatically. I think back then this track was giving away maybe $30,000 a program. Now we give away over a quarter million, and we run 46 quarter horse days and 130-odd thoroughbred days. Um, or no, 80-some thoroughbred days, I'm sorry, together, 130-some uh, days together live here at Delta Downs with both breeds. But since the money's come in, uh, yeah, the breeding's gotten real good, the purses are good, the uh, jockeys, trainers, and all that, of course, they go where the money is. So here in Louisiana, we're just a hotbed of quarter horse racing. Well, since you have uh, both styles of racing, is there some overlap between the jockeys and the trainers with quarter horses and thoroughbreds? Do some do both? 
Uh, very, very few. Uh, most of the quarter horse riders are just quarter horse riders. A few of them will reach over and run a, a, a ride a few thoroughbreds, but not too many. Most of them, one of the reasons they are quarter horse jockeys is some of them just like it, but most of them can't quite get down to the weight of the thoroughbred. So you'll see the quarter horse guys weighing a little bit more, um, high 20s to 30, you know, and they'll be overweight and uh, maybe assigned 124, and they may be tacking with everything up to 130, like six pounds over. That wouldn't work in thoroughbred racing. So guys who can't quite get that small sometimes revert to the quarter horse riding and then the smaller guys weighing 110 to 112 115 they'll ride the thoroughbreds well one of my favorite movies was uh, casey's shadow i'm just wondering with uh, the history of racing in louisiana uh, do some of these uh, particularly the two-year-olds uh, come out of bush races do they still exist there's there's a few. Uh, a lot of that mainly goes on, I think, more over in South Texas and in Mexico. Uh, but there's a rich history of it here in Louisiana. You mentioned Casey Shadow. That movie was made after a horse who ran here and won a big futurity. And then the Connections, which was Lloyd Romero and his son, you may have heard him, Randy Romero, the jockey, uh, <laughs> took him out to the mountain in New Mexico and went to the All-American Futurity. They ran third. I think in the movie they won it, so they changed the story a little bit. But uh, he had started his career right here at Delta Downs and in 1975 went out to the all-American Futurity and ran third out there to a horse named Bugs Alive in 75. But Rocket's Magic, you still see him in the program. His, uh, his offspring run here all the time, and he was one great horse. So there's been some really nice horses come through here, and, and a lot of them did come up through the bush tracks in the old days. And as you know, there's many, many Louisiana riders that have started here. I mean, the list goes on and on, from the Calvin Burrells to the Kent DeSormos to, you know, all those guys coming from this region, a lot of them over in Lafayette, which is about 100 miles to the east of here. Well, uh, the quarter horse industry has given the thoroughbred industry uh, some of its most uh, dominant trainers in uh, Bob Baffert and D. Wayne Lucas, who started out in quarter horses and now are regarded two of the best trainers in the history of thoroughbred racing. Yeah, that, that's very true, and uh, it's a good it's a good way to start out. You know, if you don't, you, a lot of the guys don't have the money that the big thoroughbred operations have, and and they can get a quarter horse for a lot cheaper, and they can work with them and and, and learn the ropes, uh, you know, and get their license and and really get their feet wet. Uh, a couple of years ago, D. Wayne Lucas was here uh, with a horse named Take Charge Brandy, who was a champion. You know, won a Breeders' Cup race, won the Delta Downs yeah. Princess. Uh, he was here, and I met him in his barn back there one day. Hardest working man I ever met. Holy cow, he's there earlier than anybody, but was so nice and gracious to me, and, and he talked about the quarter horse days, and he loved the hospitality here and the quarter horse history, and you know, Delta Downs is a six furlong track, three quarters of a mile. It's not even a mile oval, and the reason that is because the man who built Delta Downs, Lee Berwick, uh, opened it in September 20th, 1973, and he was actually a president of the AQHA, the American Quarter Horse Association, and he loved quarter horses, and he just wanted a quarter horse track, but back then, uh, the state said, no, you can't just run a quarter horse track. You've got to run thorough too. So he built a small track, four quarter horses, and then they ran a few thoroughbreds. And nowadays we run more thoroughbreds than quarter horses, kind of flip-flop, but uh, that's the rich tradition we have here in Vinton, Louisiana at Delta Downs. Again, what, what little I know about quarter horse racing, it, it appears that your breed has what we have on the thoroughbred side and Bold Ruler and Stormcat and Northern Dancer, and that's a horse by the name of Dash for Cash. His bloodline seemed to show up in 90% of the horses you see racing. 
Yeah, Dash for Cash. Uh, we've got some great sires here in Louisiana. Um, and, and we had a horse the other night win the big firecracker futurity. I think his sire was first down Dash, which is another great one. Uh, some of the Louisiana ones you look for are, are, are He's a Fast Dash and Jet Black Patriot and uh, uh, horses like that. Those are the lines you really kind of want to look for and are really big here in Louisiana. But you're right, the breeding is just as important as it is in thoroughbreds. But I'll give everybody a tip. When you're looking at the two-year-olds and you're looking at the futurities, do your homework. Go online. Line. Uh, look for sales prices where horses are sold as yearlings. What did they sell for? And uh, look for the dam side. It's so important in quarter horse racing to find a good producing dam and a, and a dam with a good uh, sire. It, it really means a lot when you're talking about babies that don't have any experience. Well, let's, let's move on a little bit to the, to the, the racing at, at Delta. Um, I believe you've got eight stakes on Saturday. Um, kind of describe uh, Delta and what kind of crowd are you hoping for on Saturday night? Oh, we actually have one of the biggest crowds of the year that night of the year, uh, simply because in the winter we run the thoroughbreds and the weather is colder, it's wetter, and, you know, we have some big days. We obviously have the jackpot in November. Weather isn't too bad at that time of year, but our Louisiana Bread Thoroughbred Day happens the first week or second week this coming year of February, and, of course, that's in the heart of the cold, wet season down here. So the crowds, you know, they stay indoors, isn't quite as big or enthusiastic. But when you get to the summer months like we have now, the uh, Louisiana Showcase Night, which is what we call Saturday nights, our closing night card is all for Louisiana bred horses and it's a time of the year when the weather's good it's summertime people bring out their lawn chairs they sit down they're just regular guys don't mind the pun down on the uh, track apron watching the races and uh, you'd be very welcome here by the way and they watch the races down there and they have a great time and it's really traditionally one of the biggest live crowds we have of the year and it's a tremendous night you mentioned 10 races in all eight stakes races we'll have over 1.3 million dollars in purse money handed out this saturday and the big race is a record breaker that is the lee berwick futurity named after the founder of delta downs this year worth six hundred ninety thousand dollars for the two-year-olds going 350 yards and that's the biggest quarter horse purse ever offered here at delta downs it's gonna be an exciting night well, while you, while you mentioned that race, uh, 350 yards with a huge purse, it's, it's a grade one uh, for the sake of transparency. I have to admit, I reached out to a good friend of mine, announcer Pete Aiello. I'm sure you've crossed paths with him over the years. Absolutely. Great guy. And uh, But he knows his quarter horses and mules, so I, I sent him the past performances. Uh, now, we don't run mules. For... We don't run mules. <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying Pete, Pete he likes the... the, the the short races, you know. Yeah, and I'm just saying and I can't help you with that. You got to turn to Peter for the mules. I I will, but he helped me with the quarters, okay. And uh-huh. he said in in this race, the tenth race, he he kind of brought it down to a two horse race. Uh, he believes that if you say RDD, Lajo Fast Dash, and Louisiana Jewels look like they rise to the top, and he said, ask Don of those two coming out of their last race, who was more visually impressive. Well, I'd have to say Louisiana Jules was um, simply because she is three for three in her career. She won the Louisiana Lassie, which is a major uh, two-year-old filly race here, worth almost 300000 That was a record purse, too, back on May the 20th. She came in and just dominated in her trial, and she recorded the fastest qualifying time. We had 15 trials for this race, 
back on uh, June the 18th, and uh, 15 trials, we had 130 some horses. It was incredible. It was the longest program I've ever called here at Delta Downs. She had the fastest time out of all of those, and she broke inward at the start. Really didn't have her best break. And you know, uh, these quarter horse races are measured to the thousandth of a second, and she could have gone even quicker if she hadn't broken in. She was full of run. I know her trainer Michael Taylor very well. Has visited him at his barn. He did a video. It's on YouTube. If you want to look at a couple of videos on him uh, on the backside. And I talked to him at the gate yesterday morning when this horse came and schooled at the gate. I just happened to be there. She is so professional. She's so calm. You can do anything you want with her. She doesn't get rattled. You're not going to see her freak out in the gate. I don't believe. I've never seen it happen. And uh, I've just been so impressed with her. Now, the other horse you mentioned, RDD La Jolla and Fast Dash, is how you say that. It's like La Jolla, Thank California. You. Yeah, RDD La Jolla and Fast Dash. Um, that horse is also three for three. And he was so impressive. He's hung up higher speed figures, uh, mainly up at Louisiana Downs earlier in the year. And I had somebody mention me the other day, uh, Martha Clausen, if you know her. She's a Q Racing ace with the AQHA. She's going to be here Saturday night. She's done work on TVG. She watched that horse's trial back on June the 18th. And even though he had the second fastest qualifying time, she said he looked tired um, at the finish. Now, I don't know, 150 horses, you get the second fastest time. I don't know how tired he was, but uh, <laughs> he was pretty impressive to me. Uh, but up, up north, he was hanging up 91 and 80 and 101 speed indexes when he ran here. And that was his first start over this track. And this track can be tricky. It's a little sandy. Um, he only hung up an 85. So there is something to think about there with him. But, yeah, I agree with Pete. Th- those are the two standout horses in the field for sure. And uh, clarify for me that these are horses that have qualified and remain eligible for for this race. Is it determined on time or is it determined on monies won or graded stakes that you run in? No, strictly time. The quarter horse races, the two-year-olds, they pay a fee when they're, when they're born, when they're foaled, and then they pay sustaining payments they every quarter or three months or so. They have a schedule. And so you're betting on the future. That's why it's called a futurity. And then when you get to the trial date, then everything's on the line. You must have one of the top ten times or you're out. So it's all about time, and uh, Louisiana Jules had the fastest time. RDD La Jolla and Fast Dash had the second fastest time. From top to bottom, there was uh, .144 seconds separating the top 10, and that's less than one length. So you figure 135 horses or so went postward on trial day. The top 10 were separated by less than one length. So that's how competitive this field is. You know, I've called a couple thoroughbred races in my day. How in the heck do you call a quarter horse race with a full field? (laughs) Well, you only have about 18 seconds in this case, so you've got to get them out quick. Um, I don't memorize them like with thoroughbreds. you just got to spit them out, look at your program, look out the window, and talk real fast and try to be clear and try to be precise. That's about all you can do. But I've been doing it for many years, and Jim Byers taught me well, so hopefully the fans like it. Uh, I'm, I'm sure they will, and I guarantee you I'm, I'm going to be tuned in because you're really uh, opening up my eyes. So we've got the, actually three undefeated horses in here. You've got the Swing Star, who's also two for two, uh, at the track. How much of an advantage is it uh, to have a trip over Delta Downs? Well, like I said, the track can be a little bit tricky. The The main uh, thing in the sand here or component is uh, sand from the Sabine River, which is four miles from here. That's the river that separates Texas and Louisiana. It's the one you cross over when you come into the state. And it, it's a very sandy, beachy surface. It's kind of like uh, Belmont Park. You know, they call it the Big Sandy. Well, this track's very sandy. One reason they make it that way, I mean, there's clay and there's topsoil in it, but it's mainly sand. If you look on TV, it's a, it's a light beige color. Um, but the reason they do that is because we race in the winter. 
winter. And in the winter, it rains a lot down here. We're on the Gulf Coast, so that water runs through sand a lot better than it does black, dark dirt, you know. So uh, it runs off quicker, and they get rid of the water uh, on the surface better. And so it is a little peculiar. Some horses like it. Some don't like it as much. And you'll see that on Jackpot Day when we have horses come in and run for the million-dollar race, you know, out-of-state horses, California, Florida, New York. Some will come in with a great resume and just won't fire here, you know, and others will relish it, and they'll love it. So it is a peculiar uh, surface. Well, uh, while you brought up the subject of weather, for our listeners out there that will be handicapping Delta Downs on Saturday, how's the uh, forecast looking? Well, it's looking dry pretty much all week. This time of year, we always seem to have a, a chance of rain simply because it's so hot. We're on the Gulf Coast, and it gets humid, and the, the, the pop-up showers come up. But right now, on Saturday, we're looking at a high of 94. That's without the heat index, of course. And we're looking at a 30% chance of rain. So I would say we're probably going to miss it, but you never know this time of year. You've got to keep your eye on the radar. All right, well, we're talking to Delta Don Stevens from Delta Downs, a huge night on Saturday. So we're going to come back and look at a couple more races and pick his brain about the quarter horse industry. But until then, we're going to take a little bit of a break. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Your internet flagship station for sports... Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll free at 1 888 346 9144. That's 1 888 346 9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. If I had a and we're back here at Winning Ponies and with us, Delta Don Stevens. Talking about Delta Downs, a huge night, great betting opportunities uh, on Saturday. And uh, Don, I, I have to ask you, since I'm not familiar with the, all, all the players down there, obviously you've got jockeys that might have choices of several horses. Uh, to tell me about your jockey colony, who's the standout, and, and, and how that does play. Are, are they married to certain trainers, or do they realize that one horse is faster than the other and they're going to take the faster one? Well, when it comes down to you know a $690,000 race and you had trials, it, it really is who, who you want to ride. You know, I mean, there's loyalty to a certain point, but when you're talking that kind of money, these jockeys are going to pick the horse that uh, they think has the best chance to get them to the winner's circle. And it's an interesting angle uh, this Saturday with the big race, the Lee Berwick. Of course, we mentioned there was 15 trials. The top rider here, Delta Downs, this year, in the standings anyway, and has uh, won more, more races than any of the rider, has been David Alvarez. He'll be on the 7 Telemann Pump. But interestingly enough, 
through all those trials back on May the 18th, he, or June the 18th, he did not qualify a horse. So he has had to pick up the mount on that uh, Michael Taylor trainee, and that's simply because Joe Badia Jr., the regular rider of the 7 Telemann Pumped, has opted to ride the 9 Louisiana Jewels, which obviously you would think you would. She's the fastest qualifier, and uh, he did not, interestingly, ride her in the uh, Lassie Futurity. He took off to ride a different horse in there, and Gilbert Ortiz picks up the mount. But that's the danger you run. When you go to picking and choosing, you might choose the wrong horse. The other one runs a big race, and you miss out on the win. However, in quarter horse racing, it's kind of an unwritten rule. If you qualify more than one horse for a big futurity, you take off, another rider picks up that mount and wins, they normally pay you a portion of, of, of the uh, winnings for that jockey because, you know, you actually qualified the horse. It wasn't for you. The horse wouldn't have got there, so you can see that. And uh, that is also the case with the six in here, Cat's Last Dash. That horse ridden by Alfonso Lujan who I believe is a three- or four-time, I can't remember, leading rider here at Delta Downs. He did not qualify a horse for the big race, but he's picked up Cat's last dash because J.R. Ramirez is going to ride the 10 in here, She's the Bomb, who he's opted for. And that's kind of interesting because She's the Bomb was the 10th fastest qualifier, the last qualifier, but Cat's last dash had the eighth fastest time, but he chose the slower horse. But again, that's jockey thinking, you know, who, what horse had the better or worse trip in the trial and who has a better chance at the end. And, and you talk about class, it's not as important in quarter horse racing as thoroughbred racing. Look at Cat's last dash. Two races ago, she broke her maiden for 5000 claiming. That's the lowest we run here at Delta. And now she's in a $690,000 race. Wow. So uh, that's a little different than thoroughbreds. Well, uh, Dan, let's, uh, the, the race uh, previous to the Lee Berwick is the Delta Downs Derby. And I noticed that this is for three-year-old accredited Louisiana breads. I want to see if it's the same as it is in our state. When you say accredited, it means both the sire and the dam reside in Louisiana. Exactly, right. That's now, right. the other thing I noticed is that uh, you've got an abundance of girls willing to take on the guys. Is that more the norm in quarter horse racing? Well, it is when they're young. You know, when they're two years old, uh, the girls tend to develop a little quicker, and the mind, uh, the mind of the males, you know, is not sometimes not quite on business, and sometimes they get gelded, and sometimes it takes them to their three-year-old year to get to get mature. But this race, it is interesting because it is a derby. They've already turned three. We're halfway through the year now, and there are quite a few females in here that have qualified for this race. And one of the most interesting ones, and I'll let you know a little something here. I did an interview with trainer Kenny Roberts, who's uh, won the training title here, I believe, six or seven times since I've been here and since Boyd bought Delta Downs. He trains Tella Rosa, the six. Well, I talked to him a week or so ago after her run in the trial for this race back on June 17th. And you'll notice her speed figure dropped off a little bit in there, although she was dominant. She won by a length and a quarter. He told me that he was surprised she even ran in the trial because he said she popped an abscess in her foot the day before. So he says she can run much better. And, of course, look at her record. She's won five of nine. And she's had three seconds. She's made over $200,000. So if she can improve on that trial run where she was sixth fastest qualifier and her feet are feeling good, unlike they may not have been in the trial, I would look out for her. She's going to be a big threat. Well, for those that like to be uh, touted by a good handicapper, I'll tell you, uh, Pete tells me in here that it, it's a very good race. He says he's going to try to beat the one, Jessa Louisiana Zoom, a lifetime earner of over a half a million dollars. And the two that he kind of likes is uh, first prize, Denim. He says that the horse is lightly raced, has drawn well, and can finish a ton. And his second one is Jet Black Rouge. He says this horse has great connections, a great jockey, and obviously had to need its last race. Can you comment on those two horses? 
Yeah, first prize denim was extremely impressive here last year, Delta Downs. Won the Laddie Futurity. That's the counterpart to the Lassie we talked about earlier. Uh, last year, we're 283000 So that was impressive. Uh, won a couple of trials. Won at Louisiana Downs. Didn't make a final. Then won the trial for the Laddie and won the Laddie. Came back with a third here on, uh, or last year on June 20th, and then took off till June 17th this year. So I'm thinking there were some issues with this horse. We have a huge meet at our sister track of Angeline Downs in the fall months uh, from the end of September through the middle of December, and this horse did not show up over there. Kind of made me scratch my head a little bit. Came back and waited till June 17th. Did not start early in this meet, and we start in April, and this horse didn't show up until the trials. Now, did have a hard-fought victory in the trial. Definitely needed that race coming off the long layoff, and quarter horses do need a start. Not as important conditioning-wise as a thoroughbred, but does need a start, especially going the 400-yard distance. Now comes back for a trainer who's absolutely been tearing it up lately, and he's always good at Delta Downs, Martin Trejo. A little cold earlier in the year, but he's hit his stride now. The only question I have about this horse is Mario or Manuel Gutierrez will be riding, and uh, Martin Trejo over the years normally uses David Alvarez, the top rider here, and you notice he rode this one two back, but he's gone back with Gutierrez, who was in the trial. So that makes me wonder a little bit about that, but Alvarez isn't even in the race, so I'm not sure why that happened. Well, uh, Don Stevens, real quick, we only got about a minute and a half left here. I want to bring up the Louisiana Classic, a grade two, and give out uh, Pete's uh, pick in here. The inside rail, open me a Corona. A little question about the rail, but he feels that the horse next to him isn't quite as fast, and uh, that the horse that beat him last time out uh, loves the slop, and so he's given it that reason. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, opened me a Corona over $792,000 in earnings. He was a Louisiana champion last year. Bobby Martinez, David Alvarez, very good together. This horse does very little wrong and just lost a head bob last time. As you said, on the mud, it was his first time ever on an off track, and he's a Louisiana Dash. Does like the mud, two wins and three starts. So I'm right along with Peter on that one. I think this is, comes down to probably a two-horse race, and those are the two. All right. Well, I want to thank Don Stevens uh, so much for being with us tonight, and I can guarantee you uh, we'll be tuned in watching you on Saturday. Well, thank you so much, and good luck to everybody. All right. That was Delta Don Stevens, very entertaining and knowledgeable. I learned a lot today. I also want to thank Carl Maticola from the University of Kentucky and wish him nothing but the best in his studies with the Jockey Guild. So for uh, Don and Carl, I'm John Engelhart. As I look over the manicured turf course past the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I wish you nothing but the best. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.